and welcome to a special bonus episode of The Bitten Word. I'm Ashley. And I'm Christine. And we are here to talk to you about one of our very favorite things, which is our book stats. Yay! Yay! So a few years ago, Christine and I just on our own started doing book stats that help us kind of like see what our reading year was like, um, just give us some interesting little tidbits, help us kind of wrap it up. And we really like to do it. We we like even in November are like, hey, guess what? It's almost time for book stats. <laughs> like, we get excited and we share it with each other and it's really fun. So we thought that maybe you would be interested in hearing our book stats. So uh, we will go through and just tell you some information about um, the books we read this year. And at the end, we will give you the top five books for both of us of the year in order, ranked. So the first thing, I read a total of 61 books this year. I will probably actually finish another one before the end of the year. Um, but as of the time of this recording, we have 61 books on record. And i that's definitely more than last year. Um, we moved last year and I tend to not read as much when we move. And also COVID for some reason, I like, I think it like, I don't know, I had more time at home, but it kind of like dampened my desire to read. I don't know what it was, but just a little bit more than last year. So uh, how many did you read? Um, I read um, 115. Um, that's including Magic Treehouse. If you don't include Magic Treehouse, there were 40 of those. I had 75 books. Yeah. So she's been reading Magic Treehouse out to her kids. I can't believe you got through 40 of them oh my gosh. this year. That's a lot. I know. And we are, we're getting close though to the end because we did the to entire- the end? Yeah. We Even of like, like Merlin missions? Yes. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, we did the entire like like original series and we're on we're on book 17 out of 27 of Merlin missions. And so we're That's getting there. all there is. Wow. Wow. I'm impressed. But she's still writing them. That's true. At least at least the original series. And so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So out of those 61 books, my average stars was 3.8. And I feel like that's a pretty good place to be. Uh, It means that most of my books were in the like to really like category. I had not too many that were like hate them and uh, but not too many that were like I loved this book too because I feel like I want to be somewhat picky about giving those out because if I give it to everything then it doesn't really mean anything right it's like a Paul Hollywood handshake yeah <laughs> um I had a 3.8 as well um I think I was kind of liberal with my five stars this year um but I did read a lot of books that I really enjoyed well that's good that's good to have a year like that um yeah looking at my my average thing when I was adding it up I most of my books fell into the three and four category with way more five books than twos or ones. I only had three books that fell into a two-star, one-star category. So that's pretty good. Yeah, I had, I didn't have any one-star 
although one of them probably should be a one star. I have five two stars, 17 three stars, 27 four stars, and 25 stars. Also, um, my numbers don't like totally add up because I read a couple more books after I did my book stats and I like adjusted some of the numbers and not all of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you're doing the math. <laughs> yeah, if you're, yeah, if you're that hardcore. You will notice that that's not exactly perfect. Um, I only ended up with 14 five-star books, but out of 61 books, I feel like that's not too bad. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. Okay. So here come some of the more like interesting stats that we do on our own. So the oldest book that I read, and so I'm going to do two, one, because it doesn't quite count. And then well, and I'll tell you why. So the oldest book that I read was The Doctrine and Covenants, which was published in 1835 and is a book of scripture for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I did read that entire book throughout the course of the year, and it was the oldest book. But Christine says that scripture doesn't really count, and I kind of agree with her. So <laughs> for the actual like oldest book that I read, it was um, Death on the Nile by Agatha Christie, which was published in 1937. And then I, I always end up reading several books that were published same year, but this year I read a lot of books published in 2021. I read 13. Um, and I think that that's because I joined book of the month club this year and they only give out books that like were published within the last like month when they put out their new books. So um, that, that really made it so that I read a lot of 2021 books this year. Um, so my oldest book, I feel like also does not quite count. My oldest book was Macbeth. Um, and that was published in 1606 or not published, but as a play, it was first performed. <laughs> it was performed yeah. It. <laughs> um, and that's why I feel like it doesn't totally count. So with, um, not including that, my oldest book was Emma published in 1815. Um, and then I read a lot more recent books than I typically do. Um, I yeah, read, you did. Yeah, I read six books from 2021 um, and then 13 from 2020. I think I typically average around like one or two 2021 books or like really like most recent books. Yeah. I usually um, most of my books are within like the last two or three years. And then, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I think a lot of that is just like that I don't read as much fiction. And so, like, yeah, I, I don't know what. I don't know what that has to do with it, but I feel like that's part of it. <laughs> like, Maybe it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I feel like I pretty much spanned the entire century of the 1900s, you know? Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I got, so in the 2020s, so just like this year and last year, I read 26 books that were published in the 2020s. So wow. that's like, that's like a third or more of than a third of my books. Um, and then in the 2010s, it was 24. So that's like, that's 50 books right there out of 61 that were between 2010 and now. I got three in the 2000s, two in the 90s, two in the 70s, two in the 60s, one in the 30s, and then one in the 1830s. So sometimes yeah. my spread is bigger than that, but uh, this, this year it just wasn't. Okay, 
My biggest reading months were May and June, which had nine finished books apiece. And then I pooped out and in July, I only read one book, which was my lowest month. But I, I think I did just, I read 18 books in the span of eight weeks. So I think that I just got, I, I, I don't know, I couldn't deal with it anymore. I needed to slow down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my most, my biggest month was February. I read 10 books. Um, and That's then my- yeah. And then my least was August. Um, I think I read three in August. And I think the part of the reason why was because I was just really burned out from reading. Yeah. And then because like my previous months, I'd done like seven, seven, six, six. Yeah. Um, and then I think I was also finishing up my audiobook of Gone with the Wind. And that thing is a beast. And so it took up like all of my time. Yeah. Many hours. Many hours. I don't know how you did that. I think I would have gotten bored. I would have had to turn it in the library before I could finish oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, uh, wait a minute. I might have gotten it on Audible, actually. Oh, okay. So that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, Take more time with it. I was going to say, though, with some of the longer books, I do have to, I need to check them out like three or four times. Yeah. Um, but no, with Gone with the Wind, it was just like, it was one of those ones though, I listened to it on two speed. And so it was more, it was, it's a 50 hour audiobook, but it was more like 25 because I was listening to it on two speed and I already am really familiar with the story. And so I felt like I could walk out of the room for a minute and come back and like still know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. That's always yeah. nice. And so I, I listened to it a lot while I was doing chores and sometimes it was just like playing while I was in the other room for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, I actually feel like I got a good gist of the story because there were some things in the book that weren't, you know, in the movie and I feel like I still grasped them. Yeah, that's good. Especially on two speed because that is really fast. Yeah. Oh, you know, I listened to Catch-22 on two speed and I don't know what happened in that book. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound like the kind of book you should do that with. <laughs> Um, okay. So fiction versus nonfiction. I tend to err on the side of fiction, but this year I like way went fiction. <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous. 51 of my 61 books were fiction, leaving only 10 in the nonfiction category. That is, that is a way bigger difference than usual. More it Usually, like I said, it's not even, it airs on the side of fiction, but that's like, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, I read a lot more fiction this year. Um, I read 47 fiction and 22 nonfiction. Yeah, um, that's, that's different for you too. I think I still typically read more fiction than nonfiction in a given year, but I think it's a lot more even. Mm -hmm. um, this is quite a big uh, disparity. Yeah, for sure. Um, Christine doesn't have this stat because she doesn't read enough YA to make it necessary, but I tend to read a good amount of YA, and I think in the past, particularly, um, I read usually, or not usually necessarily, but even or even more than I read adult books. Um, but this year, I read 21 YA books and 40 adult books. So, but I've noticed uh, this is something that's fun about the book stats is because it kind of helps you see trends and things that are changing as well. Um, and I have noticed that I am tending to go more towards adult fiction than YA fiction in, in the last two or three years. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have that just because I, I think I read like one YA book this year. <laughs> okay. So 
how we have longest book and shortest book. So for the past like seven years, I have continually been in the middle of a Harry Potter book that I've been reading out loud to my kids. So I think every single book stat that I have, the longest book I read was a Harry Potter book. So no difference this year. Um, we, I finished with my third child, Beckham. We're reading Order of the Phoenix right now. So this year we finished Goblet of Fire at 734 pages. Um, and then Freckle Juice, which we have a podcast episode about, was my shortest book at 40 pages. So there's a 700 page yeah. difference there. <laughs> Freckle Juice like barely even counts as a book. I read it in like an hour. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I, I read it while I was watching a movie. <laughs> <laughs> going back and forth um but yeah so freckle juice was also my shortest um my longest was gone with the wind 960 pages that that is a beast that is a lot um the average length of my books was 337 that doesn't really change a whole lot i feel like i always have a few outlier books that are like in the five to seven hundred page range and then i have a few that are in like the 150 page range so i always end up somewhere in the 300s so i didn't manage to get my average uh page length or total pages read this year but i think mine is pretty much around three to four hundred yeah my total pages ended up being twenty thousand five hundred and forty three which sounds like a lot but I feel like it's actually not that much when I when I look at other people's stats, I guess, or um, 61 books. I feel like I feel like that should be more than that. But still, 20,000 or 20.5 thousand. I feel like that's pretty respectable. OK, uh, so this year I read 21 books by male authors, 39 books by female authors and one book by a non-binary author. Um, so that for me is pretty typical. I usually read a lot of female authors. Uh, I mean, like I said before, I read a lot of YA and tend to be female authors there. Um, and But I feel like I do maybe have a few more male authors this year than normal, that the, the difference is not quite as big. I feel like I read more female this year than typical. I had 29 male and 40 female. And the reason why we do this stat as well as our next one, which is nationality, um, is just because we're both like kind of interested in broadening our horizons and reading things out of just like our typical comfort zone. And so mm -hmm. we, you know, evaluate uh, what we've read in these categories to kind of see like, you know, how much we're pushing our boundaries and to kind of see like what we can maybe read more of in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for nationality, I, I'm quite proud of my list this year because <laughs> I, I usually have a very small list. I tend to read mostly U.S. authors, which I think is not a bad thing necessarily. One, because we're going to be a big publishing powerhouse. Um, and two, because I live in the US. So these are books that are being published or published, marketed to me, right? Um, so of course, most of my books were by um, American authors. But I also had 12 UK authors, which Christine says doesn't count because they're, <laughs> they're basically the same. I think we get marketed similar amount of, for UK books, right? Books that were written in English originally. Um, but I also had Dutch, 
um, Irish, Ecuadorian, Cypriot, so from Cyprus, Israeli, Norwegian, Mexican, Canadian. Um, and then as a note to myself as well, I also had two black authors from the United States. Um, so I had um, two Indian authors, one Swedish author, one indigenous author, she was a Rikra, um, and then two black authors. Um, I feel like mine is like a lot different this year. I feel like usually mm -hmm. reading is a lot more diverse than this. Um, I, especially compared to last year, I know that I yeah. read a lot of books by black authors because I was working through a lot of like BLM reading lists. And so this year, <laughs> I don't know, it feels a little bit lame. But. Well, it's just a little different, but, but you said also that you were focusing on trying to get through the Barnes and Noble classics list, um, which would lead you to a lot of like. English or U.S. authors, yeah. right? Um, so I think that's okay. So as far as like physical books and audiobooks, uh, I was only able to get in eight audiobooks this year. So 53 physical books and eight audiobooks. We just had like really different uh, set up here in San Antonio that made it really hard for me to listen to audiobooks. Um, I'm hoping that I can change that a little bit because it really does um, increase the amount of books that I can read. Totally. Yeah, I didn't start listening to audiobooks until last year, um, and that effectively doubled my reading. Typically, I read 30 to 40 books a year, and lately it's been in the 70s. Yeah. Um, so this year I read 32 paper books and 37 audiobooks which is a lot more even than I was thinking. Yeah. I was expecting it to be a lot more audiobooks, but. Well, that's good not. then that it wasn't. Yeah. I, I don't know. I like audiobooks. It depends. It depends on the narrator. Uh, like I can't just listen yeah. to anything. Um, but I also don't want to like go entirely into audiobooks because I like physical books and I want them to yes. stay you know <laughs> i do too and the thing is like i have so many books on my shelf that don't have like free audiobooks um yeah you know and so i'm like i don't want to become so reliant on the audiobooks that i like can't you know just sit down and read my physical book yeah yeah i agree and also i i just like that i can stop in the physical book, I can reread things. I can look yes. back at stuff, you know, um, sometimes when they have like maps, you know, printed in the book or something, um, or like primers at the beginning, like of characters or of families or things like that. I really like being able to do that. So yeah. audio audiobooks are good for a lot of things, but there are some things they can't do. Yes, I, I try. So I read a book this year by an author named Patrick Radden Keefe, and I tried to read another one by him earlier last year. Um, but the narrator was Irish, and I was trying to listen to it on like 1.6, which is like what I typically will listen at. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, there's no way. I was like, you can't, I was I like I'm not picking up any of this. And so I was like, I either have to like read this physically or I have to listen to it at like a normal speed. <laughs> Yeah, I did that with Red Rising. The the first one I listened to, but his accent threw me off, so I couldn't listen to it at 
a higher speed, but then I had to, because I had to give it back to the library and I was almost done. And I was like, I don't know what happened. So <laughs> after that, I got physical books because it was too hard for me to do it on audio. Yeah. We watched a movie last night and it was set in Ireland. And like, there were quite a few scenes where like some of the people were drunk and there were no subtitles on this DVD for some reason. Like they just didn't have any. And so by the end of the movie, we were like, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> I could not understand half of it. That's funny. <laughs> um, okay. So those are our stats. Uh, so now, part. I know. So now comes the exciting part. We have awards. Um, so I have a few awards that do not include things that are on my top five list. So my best young adult book or books in this case for this year was the Shadow and Bone series. Um, this made it onto my top five for the first half of the year. And I had read some things in this universe before, but never this original trilogy. So I read it while the, um, when the Netflix show came out and I really enjoyed it. My best nonfiction read of the year was The Lazy Genius Way. Uh, and I really enjoyed that because although it's kind of like a quote unquote self-help book, it's not something that says, hey, this is the way that I do stuff. And so this is going to work for you because it works for me. Um, she really makes you like take a look at what matters to you and helps you to form your own systems to make those things work best for you. And then my best reread was The Night Circus, um, which continues to be one of my absolute, absolute favorite books. Like if you had to I know for readers, it's so hard to name a favorite book, but if you had to do like top five, The Night Circus would be in that list for sure. Absolutely. Um, in fact, it's the only thing that I can definitively put in there along with the Harry Potter series. Everything else is like, I'm not quite sure if it's there yet. <laughs> so those are my awards. Okay, I have four awards. Um, my first one is for worst book. I read this year um, and it was Homesick for Another World by Otessa Moshfe. Um, it's a collection of short stories and it was just not my style. Like all of the characters were just like gross, nasty people and they were like all really unlikable and the stories were just boring. And so I just slogged through that book and I just like there was nothing redeemable in it. I'm impressed you finished. I forgot to say my worst book. My worst book was The Bell Jar. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> I never give out ones. I always don't. I never finish the books that are rated a one. But this one I did because Christine wanted to do the podcast on it and it was short. So I did and I, I, I hated it. So there's that. Um, so then I read a lot of memoirs. And so my best memoir this year was Rite of Passage by Ray Matheny. Um, I talked about it in our last episode. Uh, so you can hear more in-depth analysis, not analysis, but you can hear more in-depth about what it's about there. Um, but it was written by my friend's dad and it's a memoir of his experiences as a POW in World War II. And it's very, very interesting. Um, funniest book I read this year was This Is Going to Hurt by Adam Kay. Um, this is a memoir written by a guy who was a doctor for 
part of his life. Um, and he really just outlines like all of the weird and funny things he saw as a doctor. And some of it was just like crazy. Um, I can't even remember all of it, but some of it, I just remember like, I, how was that even real? <laughs> okay. Um, most fascinating and this has a double award for also most tragic because which is sad yeah if you listened to our <laughs> episode about our favorite books for the second half of um 2021 i talked a lot about like tragic books and so we're gonna give an award for most tragic and uh, that goes to the spirit catches you and you fall down by ann foddyman um so I also talk about this a little more in depth in our in our first episode. Um, this was just really really fascinating book about um, a a true story about a, a Hmong girl and um, living in the U.S. and the cultural and language divide between her parents and her doctors that makes it very hard for her to get treated effectively and. It's fascinating to look at the differences in culture and like to look at how each person is looking at the other saying you're not doing enough because you don't care when in reality they both care so much and are just trying to do what they know to be best. Um, and then very tragic just because of um, how her life ends up playing out because of this. Um, sad. Yeah, it is very sad, but but very, very interesting. That's just so sad. <laughs> like, how do you read stuff like that and just not be sad all the time? <laughs> well, it was really sad because, I don't know, it was just rough because she ended up, after a certain point, having, like, this really terrible grand mal seizure that, um, like, pretty much left her like a vegetable and they thought she was gonna die and she didn't she and she was like five or six when this happened she didn't die until she was like 30 um man and her parents just took care of her the whole time but um it's just there's like so much that goes into it and like the doctors were just saying like the parents don't give her her medications and that's an issue like she's not getting what she needs because they don't give her the medications but the parents are saying the medications they give her make her sick you know and then it turned out that like the seizure actually was kind of caused by the medications she was being Ooh. given and so it was like they were so the parents were kind of right, you know, and but then like because they weren't giving her the medication, um, CPS like took her away and like oh was, my gosh, it was a big thing. That's awful. Okay, so go read that. I know, sure. I'm gonna. Cut. <laughs> 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 okay, okay, and now it is time for our top five books of the year. Ta-da! Okay, so this is going to be a little bit different from the two episodes that you've heard before about our first books or books of the first half of the year and books of the second half of the year, because obviously our top five are going to come from those top 10 books, right? The difference here, though, is that the difference here, though, is that before we just gave them to you in any random order. Mine was just chronological from when I read them and Christine's were in no order at all. Um, so this time they are going to be ranked. So you'll be able to find out what our actual best recommendations for the year are. So my number five book of 2021 was American Dirt and we have a podcast episode on this, so if you want to hear about it more in depth, you can go listen to that. 
Um, but I ranked this in my top five of the year because I just thought the story was so compelling. From page one, it had me and I could not listen fast enough. Um, I also felt like it really helped me to understand a little bit better what immigrants go through to try to get away from the situations in their countries and that that was good for me to have that experience. All right, my number four book of 2021 was The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And we are going to have a podcast episode about this. So stay tuned for that. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this book because it was, I feel like commentary on depression from somebody who has depression. Um, and it was surprising. And I wanted, I wanted her to be able to get through this time in her life. And I was rooting for her the whole time to be able to find happiness. And, and I really loved the way that he told the story. Um, my number three book was Into the Drowning Deep by Mira Grant. And this was like a scary sci-fi mermaid book, <laughs> which sounds really weird, but I promise you, you want to read it. I had to cover the page so many times while I was reading so that I wouldn't see what was coming next. Um, and I've read several other books, particularly this series, um, the what, what is it called? Oh, the Wayward Children series, but she writes that under the name Seanan McGuire. Um, but that's a really, a really good series as well. But this one is just a little bit more detailed than those books tend to be. And I really, really loved it. My number two book of 2021 was Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Um, I really was surprised that I liked this book as much as I did because it is pretty sciencey. So like a third of the book, I didn't absolutely understand everything that was going on <laughs> because not in the storyline, but like with the science itself, because it is real if theoretical science. Um, but the storyline is just so interesting and so good. Um, and I would say that you definitely, definitely want to read this book. And then my number one book of 2021 is Drumroll. The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Um, I chose this book as my top book for the year because I felt like it was just such a creative and interesting way that he told the story. Um, it was really different from anything that I've ever read, and it was extremely surprising. I, I read a lot of thriller and mystery books, and I usually enjoy them, but I'm not surprised by anything, really. I can often tell, you know, what's going on or it. Yeah, they kind of make it a little obvious, but this was very surprising at a lot of different points in the book. And I really appreciated that about it. So there are my top five recommendations for 2021. 
All right, so I'm starting with an honorable mention. Um, I've got The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver, and that's honorable mention because I'm still reading it, and I'm almost done with it, um, but I very much enjoy it. It's about a family in, like, the 50s, I think, um, who are, they're Baptists, and they're being sent to the Congo to set up a church there, um, or to take over a church. I guess it's already been established there. And their dad is a preacher, and um, they just have very, you know, typical views about people living in the Congo. And I and I guess, like, while they're living there, they just kind of, like, come to realize that they have a lot more in common than they think. Um, and they just, you know, start to see them as real, normal people. Um, and I've been really enjoying it. Um, then my number five for the year was Circe. Uh, by Madeline Miller, which I, I keep hearing about that book. I really need to move it up my list. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I just, I have a hard time putting my finger on exactly what it is like that I enjoyed about it because it is just a retelling of Cersei. It's, it's from her point of view, um, which I think makes it a little bit different, but yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. And so, and then it's got a little bit of a, a feminist lean to it, which is, which is kind of nice in the, I don't know, in her case, um, but it just, it was very like lyrical and prose driven. Um, and so if you like pretty books, Circe is a good one. Um, number four was Empire of Pain by Patrick Radden Keefe. Um, this one was about Purdue Pharma and the Sackler family and, um, like kind of in an effort to look at how much like, responsibility they can take for the opioid crisis. They're the family that created Oxycontin. Um, and that one is very, very interesting. Um, number three is The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna. Um, this one is about a family that moves off the grid into the Alaskan wilderness um, and kind of have to learn to be homesteaders and they kind of tragically fall apart. That's That sounds pretty typical for Kristen Hanna. Um, Watching tragedy unfold, especially in families, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so then number two is The Spirit Catches You and You Fall Down by Anne Foddyman. And then number one is, oh, my number one book of 2021. Yay! Yay! Is A Boob's Life by Leslie Lair. <laughs> um, and so this one is, I talked about this one in our original um favorite books of 2021 uh, episode. And it's just about, uh, it's partially memoir, partially a look at um, like breasts and how they're viewed in American society, kind of from like the beginning of the 20th century to present um, and how that's changed. Um, and then she talks about like a lot of issues related to breasts, including like breastfeeding, uh, boob jobs, um, breast cancer um and she is affected by all of those things over the course of her lifetime and so it's just um it's here's interesting again all the books i read are interesting i know um, i feel like we use that word so much i know we gotta find another word <laughs> interesting <laughs> fascinating um i think it's just i like to read her her point of view and then she also gives you a lot of interesting like factoids and history about like bras and you know like censorship in the media and you know a lot of other things surrounding it and so it's just a very very interesting book and it's not that long um and i thought it was fairly compelling 
All right. Well, there you have it. All of our book stats. We kind of hope that you want to do some book stats. (laughs) (laughs) That you will like sit down and you don't have to pick the same categories that we do. You can pick whatever seems interesting to you, even if it's only a couple of them. And even if you only read like four books, it doesn't matter, you know? And it's just really fun to look back at our year in reading. Um, So thank you for joining us today for this. Uh, We will in a few days time um, put up on our socials, the list of these top 10 books so that you have it in all one place. And you can do that. You can see that on Twitter at the bitten pod or on Instagram at the bitten word podcast. Also exciting announcement. Christine has put in a lot of work and created a website for us and you can find it at the bitten word podcast.weebly.com. So this will be a place where you can just kind of go for everything. You'll be able to see pictures. You'll be able to get links to recipes and to the episodes. You'll be able to like find different categories of food and things like that. And it's really cool. So you should definitely go check it out. And we are excited to say that this is our last episode of 2021 for sure. And we will be back on January 28th for a brand new year and a brand new season. And I will be in a brand new city and state and we will have an anniversary episode for you on that day. We're going to go back and look at all creatures great and small. Yep. Again, except this time we're going to be looking at the new adaptation for TV that we are seeing on PBS Masterpiece. And we're going to be making a full English breakfast. And we're really excited about it. So come back and see us on January 28th. And until then, happy reading and happy new year.